Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. It is good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today, and thank you for joining us. I want you to take your Bible out with me. In just a moment, we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 4 for our main passage. Hebrews chapter 4. You know, there are many questions today surrounding the idea, can Jesus really help me? How do I bring my needs to him? Can this Jesus really understand me and my situation today? This morning, we're going to talk about a passage that is packed with so much spiritual truth. It is a passage which encourages us to come into the presence of God. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to read verses 14 through 16. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16 in the New Living Translation. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Did you hear that? Hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do. Now notice, yet he did not sin. Can you say amen? Amen. He did not sin. So, because he is such a great high priest, because he lived the sinless life, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God there in the presence of God, at the throne of God. We will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Can you say amen? Amen. Today's title of my thoughts is Come with Confidence. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Open our hearts to receive. Give us ears that would hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And Lord, may our belief system come from the word of God, the truth of God's word. And everybody said, amen. You know, there is a truth which is important to emphasize in our culture, and it's this. The Christian faith is built on the facts of history. Don't let anybody tell you or deceive you that Christianity is not based upon facts of history. Christianity is based on the facts of history. Therefore, the stress in early apostolic preaching was on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. These facts included the empty tomb 
and the long list of witnesses to his appearance after his death and resurrection. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. He says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scriptures said, he was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Over 500 followers saw the resurrected Christ with their own physical eyes. Whom? Most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Christianity is based on a historical record of eyewitness accounts that to the life of Jesus, to the death of Christ, to the burial of Christ, to the sealing of the tomb. But hear me, on that third day, that seal was broken and Jesus walked out of the tomb alive, victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. You go to Acts chapter 1. We have the ascension of Jesus into heaven. Verse 9. After saying this, saying what? Telling the disciples to go to Jerusalem and tarry. Because after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You shall receive power to be my witnesses. So after saying this. He was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. Notice, while they were watching, they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. They said, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Question mark. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Can you say amen? Now, the letter of Hebrews majors on the subsequent truth of the ascended Lord that he has gone through the heavens. Hebrews talks to us about the important ministry of our resurrected Lord. Now, it's important to remember, the exalted Lord remains the Jesus of history. The Jesus that ascended to heaven was fully man and fully God. Understand, the exalted Lord remains the Jesus of history the Jesus of the cradle, of the carpenter's shop, the Jesus of the cross, so he can fully sympathize with our humanity, even with our frailty, yet he is and was without sin. 
Now, sometimes we assume that those who have fallen into a particular sin are best able to help us and understand and encourage others. But the Word of God suggests something different. The scriptures suggest that those who have known the full force of a particular temptation and yet stood firm are the best counselors. Give me somebody who can lead me to victory, not tell me how to fall. Not tell me what it was like to waller in that. Tell me somebody who faced the temptation but overcame. Tell me somebody who went through the fire and the fire didn't burn them. Tell me somebody who can tell me how to get out of the mess that I am in. Somebody give God praise. Now, the four Gospels remind us of the reality of the testings of Jesus throughout his life, which were brought to a climax in Gethsemane. Yet this Jesus, through all of that, was without sin. He supreme, supremely stood firm at a great cost and stands with us now in our testing moments. So I want to unpack the wonderful truths of our passage there's a couple of things we want to remember about the letter written called the book of Hebrews. One thing is this. The audience had a largely Jewish readership. And the purpose of the letter of Hebrews is to show Jesus as greater than the greatest of Judaism's heroes. He was greater than Moses. He was greater than Aaron. He was greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than all. So he's able to help you. Our passage could also be a response to some in the Jewish faith that accused the Christian sect of not having a priesthood or a high priest. Perhaps some of the Jews were claiming that Christianity had no priesthood like that of Aaron. But Jesus was superior to the priests of Aaron, superior both in character <laughs> and in his work. The context of this passage is very important. So let's catch the context. Go back to the previous verse just for a moment. Go back to verse 13 of chapter 4. It's a very sobering verse. It's a very fearful verse verse. Listen to what the writer says. Nothing in all creation. I don't know if you know this or not. You're a created being. <laughs> so it's talking about you. <laughs> Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Mm. Uh-oh. We in trouble. Notice what he says. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. You can't hide it. You can hide it from me. You can hide it from your neighbor. You can hide it from your spouse. But guess what? You can't hide it from God. Everything is naked and exposed before God. And he, God, is the one to whom we are accountable. So there's a day of accountability coming with the one who sees everything, nothing is hidden, everything is exposed. 
If this chapter, if this book stopped right there, church, we would have nothing but misery. We would be nothing but hopeless. But I'm thankful it doesn't end with verse 13. I'm thankful for verse 14, 15, and 16. Listen, because we have to deal with the ultimate judge who sees everything, <laughs> we now have a great high priest, Jesus Christ. What used to stop me and condemn me now gives me access woo, because of my faith in Jesus Christ. So, verse 13 opens up leading us into the high priestly work of Christ and his provision of mercy and help for you and I. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this, our first point. Let's talk about the great high priest. We're going to look at verse 14. We're going to look at verse 15 and verse 16. Our great high priest. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Let's talk about the high priest in Judaism for a moment. The high priest had been the highest religious authority in the nation of Israel. The priesthood began with Aaron, Moses' brother. You'll read about it in Exodus 28. And then the sons of Aaron, the Levites, they, they would begin the descendants then the priest would flow from the line of, of Aaron. Only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies in the temple. Now remember, in the tabernacle, the temple, the Holy of Holies is the place where the, the cloud dwelt, the presence of God. It is there where the Ark of the Covenant resided. The very presence, the Shekinah glory of God. The high priest could he was the only one who could go in there, and he went one time every year. Huh. The book of Hebrews establishes Jesus is the great high priest, better than all priests of Israel. Let's look what the word says. Verse 14 tells us the wonderful news. So then, since we have a great high priest, who is this high priest? Notice his name, Jesus. Now, it's important to break the name down because Jesus was his earthly given name, given to him by Joseph and Mary, his earthly parents, who had the wonderful privilege of raising the child Jesus. They gave him this name, Jesus, because of the visitation of the angel. You remember. Go back with me to Matthew chapter 1 for a moment. Look at verse 20 and 21. Mary and Joseph have been espoused together to be in marriage. They're engaged. Mary comes up. She's with child. She's pregnant. Joseph understands he's not the father. He's considering what he must do as he's contemplating what this is going to look like in society, what it's going to mean about his character, his name, what it means about Mary. He's contemplating this, 
And in verse 20 it says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now we know the origin of this child. Now we know the origin of this baby. Mary didn't cheat on Joseph. Mary had a divine conception. Hear me. The Holy Spirit, the babe that was within her womb, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And verse 21 she will have a son. You are to name him Jesus. That's his earthly given name. That wasn't his name in heaven. He's the word in heaven. He's the word. He's the son of God in heaven. Here on earth, he was revealed and given the name Jesus. Why? Why was he given the name Jesus? Notice what it says. For he will save his people from their sins. His earthly name means salvation. Yeshua. That's his earthly given name. Now the writer of Hebrews tells us about his divine nature. He talked about his humanity. Now he's talking about his divine nature. Jesus, the son of God. So this statement identifies the historical Jesus as our high priest. It also presents Jesus as one who perfectly combined humanity and divinity in his ministry for lost sinners. His human name was Jesus, but in reality, he was and is the son of the living God. And I submit to you, glad tidings, I submit to you who are watching via live stream, there is no greater high priest to have than Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Now, where is this Jesus? Where is he? Look at verse 14. It tells us, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven. Now, what makes his priesthood so far greater than Aaron's is, listen, you can find Aaron's tomb in the Middle East, and it's full of dead men's bones. He ministered in his lifetime. He had to die, and then his sons took over the priesthood. And then when he died, his son took over as high priest. And so it went throughout the history of mankind. But this Jesus has entered heaven. The priests of Aaron served in the earthly sanctuary. But Jesus went to heaven, which means he entered God's very presence. Jesus went far beyond all limits of time. He went far beyond the limits of, 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 of humanity and the limits of space. And he reached into God's presence where his work really matters. Go back to chapter 1 of Hebrews. This is so important. Chapter 1, verse 3 says, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. So the sun radiates. He's the express image of God the Father. You want to know God? You want to understand our Heavenly Father? 
Fall in love with Jesus. Jesus is the express image of who God is. And listen, he sustains everything by his word. Tell me the word of God isn't powerful. Tell me the word of God can't change circumstances in your life. Tell me the word of God cannot help you. It's by the word that the world is sustained. Oh, God can work and move in your life. Now, notice when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Jesus, our great high priest, has gone to heaven. There's no greater place to enter, to go, to minister than heaven itself. Heaven is the highest throne of all thrones. Jesus entered heaven for us. Now notice what verse 14 tells us. Therefore, hold firmly. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Now remember the context. Verse 13 says, hey, God knows everything about you. There's nothing hidden. And, and, and just so you know, you're going you're gonna to be judged by him one day. If you stop right there, you're fearful. If you stop right there, you wonder who then can be saved. How can I come and bring my need to God? He's so holy and I'm so unholy. What can I do? So listen to what, listen to what the writer says. Hold firmly to what we believe. We believe, yes, get this, that Jesus was born in a manger, in a cradle. That he was the word made flesh. That he grew in wisdom and stature. And that he was and is the son of the living God. We believe he lived a sinless life. And he was the lamb of God. We believe he was betrayed by evil men. And they crucified an innocent man on the cross. And cursed be everyone who dies upon the cross. But hear me, he took your curse so that you can receive his blessing. We believe they put his body in a borrowed tomb. But on the third day, we believe that Jesus arose again. Hold firmly to the promise. Hold firmly to the word. Wow. Because Jesus is our high priest, we can hold firmly to the faith we believe. And holding to the faith requires some determination on our part. The greatness of Jesus as our high priest provides us with an incentive to make the commitment to draw near to him. Even though God knows everything. Because what the high priest has accomplished, we can draw nigh to God. Knowing he'll draw close to us. Sometimes... In our brokenness, we wonder, how can I, sinful, broken man, full of frailty, weakness, how can I approach God? Sometimes we ask ourselves, will God listen to me? I have good news for those who ask such questions. Because Jesus is the high priest 
we can approach God and God will hear us when we pray. No sin is too great to keep God from hearing you. No background too severe to cause your great high priest to refuse to represent you. No matter what your family background, no matter your job history, your ethnic roots, or past behavior, Christ is a faithful high priest in things pertaining to the Father. Come to him! Which brings us to our second point. Let's talk about something wonderful about our high priest. Look at verse 15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He understands. There's nothing like an understanding friend. There's nothing like a compassionate person to help us. He understands our weaknesses. How? For he faced all of the same testings we do. But hear me. Yet he did not sin. This high priest of ours, Jesus, the Son of God, understands our weaknesses. The NIV puts it this way. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. The message paraphrases it this way. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's not out of touch. He was fully man. He understands. He was tempted. He went through the fire. Listen, he was attacked, but he stood strong. He stood victorious. And because of his victory... You can come to him and experience victory too. How does he understand? For he faced all the same testings we do. Now, because Jesus, our high priest, was made like us, he experienced life completely. In his humanity, he grew tired. He became hungry. And he faced normal human limitations just like you and I. And because of this, Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses. Not only that, but also was in all points tempted as we are. Jesus and his humanity felt the struggle and the reality of temptation. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, you can read about the temptation of Christ. And Jesus probably faced temptation throughout his entire earthly life, just as we do. He experienced the full pressure of temptation, all its powers, all its tricks, and all of its enticements. But notice what the writer of Hebrews tells us. It's wonderful news. It's good news. He faced all the same testings we do. But I notice the statement, yet he did not sin. This is a cardinal truth of Christianity. Jesus, the great high priest, greater than Aaron, greater than all the priests, the Levitical priesthood, 
Jesus is greater because he never sinned. Jesus and his humanity faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. It's important to understand. It's imperative to comprehend. This is what qualifies him to be our great high priest. This is what qualified him to enter into heaven when he ascended. Now, this is important because there were recently heretical statements made by one particular news channel host that stated Jesus was not perfect. That's heresy. That's a heretical statement. The statement was made, Jesus was not perfect. And the digress of the statement was something like this. Jesus, the founder of Christianity, was not perfect. Christianity is not perfect. Therefore, people who follow Christ are not perfect. And our founding fathers were not perfect. Now, though there is truth in the statement We are not perfect, and our founding fathers were not perfect. The challenge is, in trying to explain our own brokenness, our own flawedness, instead of surrendering to the perfect Savior, people try to project their brokenness onto the Savior, the Son. But the biblical record is very clear about this subject the sinless life of Jesus Christ. So hear me. Despite this TV pundit's wildly unfounded and ignorant assertion, we have a much better witness than the baseless fancies of a smug journalist. We have the testimonies of those who knew Jesus. We have the testimony of those who were there, of those who touched him, of those who ate with him, of those who felt his presence in the room. I would much rather go with the testimony of those who were there than to listen to somebody who thinks they know it all and trying to bring Jesus down to their level. Let me give you some of this testimony. These eyewitnesses. That's why I stated in the introduction, Christianity is based upon historical fact, not hearsay. Historical fact, Jesus was a real man. Study the writings of Josephus, a a Jewish historian that lived in the first century as he writes about Jewish history and he talks about a man named Jesus. Study contemporaries, even even non-biblical contemporaries of that time that affirm that Jesus was a real man and that the word was that he arose from the dead. Let me give you some eyewitnesses account. First Peter chapter 2 verse 22 says he never sinned. He never deceived anybody. That's what Peter said. <laughs> Peter was there. <laughs> I want to believe what Peter says. Second Corinthians 5 21. Let's talk about the apostle Paul. Listen to what he says. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. God made Christ who never sinned. Understand the concept of the early Christians. They believed in the sinless life of Christ. Well, let's talk about John. 
Let's talk about John, another disciple. He writes in his first epistle, 1 John 3, verse 5, and you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Now, these men, these men were willing to die for this truth. You wouldn't die for a lie. You might die for the truth. But you would never lay down your life to a torturous death for something you thought was a lie. You lay your life down for something you thought was truth. Peter again writes in the first epistle, chapter 1, verse 18, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, It was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Church, we're in a cultural war today. We're in a war for biblical truth. We have to stand on biblical truth. But you've got to study the word of God to know what biblical truth is. And this word is able to save your souls. This word is able to help you stand in the midst of the fire. We're living in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego times. They're they're heating up the furnace. They're coming against you. But hear me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We will stand upon biblical truth. Can somebody give God? praise. Well, let me tell you one more. John the Baptist, a prophet, mighty man of God, the forerunner of Christ. In John 1 verse 29 says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John understood the implication of that term, Lamb of God. He understood that in Judaism, the lamb had to be spotless, without blemish, and without imperfection. And during Jesus' time on earth, even his fiercest opponents, those who hated him with such intensity that they sought to have him murdered, could find no witness against him who could testify of any wrongdoing. Listen to the words of Mark in his gospel, verse 55 of chapter 14. Inside, the leading priest and entire high counselor were trying to find evidence against Jesus. <laughs> Listen. They were looking for evidence. They were trying to find somebody. They were trying to find some evidence so they could put him to death. But Mark's witness is they could not find any. Can you say amen? They tried to find evidence. They couldn't find any. So what did they do? They created a false narrative. They created a a false news. They created something that wasn't there so they could bring accusation against him. Now, what testimony they did receive was inconsistent and fabricated. So unconvincing was their accusation that even Pontius Pilate, Roman governor, a leader in the Roman world, made this statement, I find no guilt in him. Why is this important? Why is it important that Jesus lived a sinless life? 
Because the only way that his sacrifice could wash away your sins is if the sacrifice was accepted in heaven. And when Jesus ascended, we see other passages of scripture that tells us that when he had cleansed our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You can come boldly to the throne because Jesus, the spotless lamb of God, has paid your penalty. <laughs> he took your guilt so you could have his blessing. Which brings me to my final point. What our high priest has done for us. Look at verse 16. So, because he's the great high priest, Jesus, humanity, the son of God, deity, because he lived a sinless life, because he entered into heaven, <laughs> and he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses, because he, in all points like us, he was tempted, he was tried. The difference between you and I and him is we sin, but he never sinned. And the conclusion is this in verse 16. So, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. In verse 13, we read where he's a God of judgment. <laughs> then you talk about the great high priest, what he's done, what he's accomplished. And now, now listen to what it says. Our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus opened access for you and I to come in. To come in where? To the throne room. <laughs> to the holy of holies, to the presence of God. Ooh. A God full of unfailing love, full of grace. Grace, ready to be imparted to those who will come to him. Amen. How can Jesus help you? Because he overcame. Yeah. <laughs> How can Jesus hear your needs and burdens? Because he was victorious in his life, his death and resurrection. Now he has been ascended. Over 500 witnesses, over, over 500 people with their own eyes saw these things happen. Put your faith in Christ. Put your trust in Jesus. Bring him your brokenness. Bring him your needs. Exchange your imperfection for his perfection. Ask God to help you. Now notice, how are we to come? Boldly, with boldness, full assurance. Why did God go through all of this to save you? So you can enjoy salvation, eternal life. So that when you struggle in this life, your own brokenness, your own frustrations, you can bring them to Jesus who understands, who sympathizes. And he's able to say, I overcame. I lived a sinless life. Now take my righteousness and walk in it. Come boldly to God's throne. 
What will you find when you enter God's presence? It says you'll receive mercy. You will find grace to help. You will receive mercy. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 23 says, The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. The New Living Translation puts it this way. His mercies begin afresh each morning. You may have went to bed last night wondering, oh, I really have tapped into the mercies of God today. I wonder if they're running low. But guess what? When you wake up the next morning, they begin afresh every day. You say, I sure been wearing God out with all my burdens. I sure been wearing God out with all my needs. No, you haven't. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I'm thankful for the mercies of God. I'm thankful for the goodness of God. John's gospel chapter 1 verse 16 verse 17 says, from his abundance, talking about Christ, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. Guess what? When you wake up tomorrow, blessing after blessing after blessing. Guess what? When you walk through that fire of furnace, blessing after blessing after blessing. Guess what? Next week, next year, you'll be receiving blessing after blessing after blessing because there is an infinite supply of the Lord most high. Verse 17 of that same verse says, For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus. God's unfailing love and faithfulness. Today, you can experience his unfailing love. Today, you can experience his mercy, his grace. Yes, there is nothing hidden before God. Yes, everything is naked before him. And that by itself may be a fearful thought. But hear me, we have a great high priest. His name is Jesus, his humanity. He's the son of the living God, his deity. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet he was without sin. And because of his sinless life, you and I can come to him and receive of his goodness. Let's stand today. Let's worship Jesus.